So I gotta suit up, suit up, cause you ain't gonna let up, let up. The Park Church of Christ in Tulsa. Here's your host, Kevin Warren. Jeanette Lee, the Black Widow, was one of the top female pool players in the world in the 1990s, received the Women's Professional Billiard Association, the WPBA Sportsman of the Year Award in 1998. She was three-time runner-up of the Women's World Nine-Ball Championships in the 90s, in addition to many top 10 finishes on the WPBA Tour. She won the gold medal for the U.S. in the 2001 World Games and won the ladies' winner-take-all tournament of champions twice in 1999 and 2003. Lee also wrote The Black Widow's Guide to Killer Pool. For 2007, she was ranked number four in Pool and Billiard Magazine's Fans' Top 20 Favorite Players poll. She was Billiard's Digest Sports' Most Powerful Person several times. She's in the WPBA Billiards Congress of American Hall of Fame and Asian Hall of Fame. Jeanette has suffered from scoliosis since she was young and recently beat ovarian cancer. ESPN released a 30 for 30 on Jeanette in December of 22. She now lives in Tampa, Florida with her daughters, and I started by asking her about early life. Well, um, part of the chemo fog is that I I, I do struggle for um, my you know, with my memory, but I just remember it's, it's, it felt like a very Korean household. You know, they spoke in Korean, but my mom also mostly spoke to me in English because she wanted me to excel in school. Um, but we mainly just ate Korean food and my mom worked two or three jobs as a nurse, but also selling jewelry. And, um, my biological father left when I was five and then my mom you know was a single mom with us until till I was maybe nine and then she married my stepfather and he's been my dad ever since was there religion in the home growing up yes we were we were raised in a Christian um with the Christian background, I think my mom first took me to Presbyterian churches and then um, evangelical. And then as I got older, I started going to church on my own, but I didn't go to Korean churches mm-hmm. um, because I'd only go- I'd never gone to an American church. I'd only gone to Korean churches my whole life. Um, so if we lived in Brooklyn, they would trek all the way to, you know, Queens or wherever the Korean churches were. And that was the only opportunity I had to be around Koreans. But that's also where I learned Bible songs and, um, you know, the importance of sharing community in the church, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was pretty good inside the house, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. I know when I, when I grew up in a, in a, a Christian household as well. And it seemed for me, it it took me a while to really grasp. Did you kind of yeah. fall into that trap as well? Not not that young. I mean, when I was so, my mom as, as one thing I remember is that she would send me to camps over the summer, and they were always Korean church camps. You know, one of the Korean church. But so then all the kids in the you know in the camp were Korean American. 
And of course, we all spoke English. And so that's where I think those camps really touched my heart. That's where I had gotten fire and a hunger for God on my own. And I think that was when I was probably 9, 10, 11, something like that, where I really strongly accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Even though I was going to church before then, it was really, um, you know, just focusing on God, because it would be like two weeks, you know, away at a camp, but there would be service, but like fun service, you know, it was for the youth. Mm -hmm. But it was... I think that it was really important to, um, you know, to take a child and just put them in a in a solid Christian atmosphere and share fellowship and learn about God. And you don't really get that at weekly Sunday service, you know, when it comes to the kids. So I think having camps like that were was awesome that I got to do that. There was a stigma when I was a youth about a pool hall and yes. what happened in a pool yes. hall that that's not where Christian people went, but <laughs> yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering, but, but you really, you really latched onto pool in the eighties and maybe by then that stigma wasn't there anymore. And was that stigma sure. still kind of attached to where you had to go and learn the game? Okay. That's, that's actually a good question, but it's very similar for women and children. I mean, in the pool room, women and children weren't really welcomed in the pool halls either. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of felt that I started really in 88, 89. Um, and then I, you know, I became pro, I think, in 93. And then I was number one in 94. And during that time is when, no, you know what? I would say middle school. At the end of middle school, I became rebellious. And that's when I kind of slowly kind of separated myself from God for a little while. And I think it's just because maybe I was ashamed or I didn't want to look at him in the face. You know, I didn't want to. It's not that I lost lost my faith that God existed. It was more like I just shut that door and tried to ignore that it was there. And I was selfish and in middle school and um, drove my parents crazy. And then eventually, you know, I found pool. And I was able to focus on that, and I think that built some of my self-confidence. And then as my life got a little bit more settled, that's when I was like, I want to find a church again. Mm -hmm. And then I met my husband, who was a great pool player, so that was attractive to me. But he was also a strong Christian, and so... I latched on to that. I mean, we got married in 96, and we were married for 20 years. And it was, um, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Listen, and, and I understand. I, I, I haven't had chemo. I had cancer uh, several years ago, and, and uh, uh, I, I beat that. And then I, I got COVID. Good and for was you. Yeah, and I oh. got COVID two years ago and was hospitalized and almost died from that. So... Uh, I've rebounded myself a couple of times, you know, to be where I yeah. am today. But so I understand. I've I've got fog issues myself. Was there something specific that you remember, Jeanette, that that brought you back, or was it just a, kind of a, a slow move uh, back towards him? Well, you know, that's just a, that's just a great question because 
I think um, I'm trying to remember when I was finding a church. I mean, one big thing was um, I had the misconception that, oh, you know, if I marry a Christian man, that's going to strengthen my walk, you know, my relationship with God. But, you know, what I end up learning is, no, I'm responsible for my relationship with God. You know, mm-hmm. no one can make that for me or or do that. I I need to build that relationship one-on-one with God. And um, that's what I ended up doing, because as, as, as religious as he seemed when we were engaged um, and then married, I guess he didn't really agree with the idea of church. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he would go with me to church because we were newlyweds, and I wanted to be going to church. But eventually I was going by myself, and I was with each child that we ended up having, I was taking them by myself to church mm-hmm. um, for, for much of our marriage, just the church part. One of the things I enjoyed in watching the uh, ESPN 30 for 30 about you was about the rivalry uh, that was kind of between you and everybody else on the, on the tour yeah. because you were just so different in how you represented yourself. ESPN was showing you on TV a lot back in the 90s. And, <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> and, and they even did Black Widow Marathon weekends, even. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, I mean, you're in a, you. in a sport where other women are, are attractive, too, but, but they don't have an image that you had. And and it's not like you were dressed indecently or anything. What well, what did that do also to your to your marriage? How did your husband handle this idea that you were kind of a sex symbol out there to all of America? Well, I was already number one in the world and had established my brand by the time I had met my husband, which was in I think ninety five, and then we got married in January of ninety six. It was kind of a whirlwind romance but but i was established so he knew what he was getting into when he married me and he he's just a i think a self-confident guy he was happy to be in the background he was happy for me to be in the forefront he was very proud of what i did and and uh, it was never a problem because i also never gave him a reason to be uncomfortable or doubt me or you know anything like that with all the attention i was getting the way that I like to put it is I break balls for a living. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let me go back to the to that time because another uh, – this, this is what's so good about the, the ESPN 30 for 30 is that um, as time went by, and especially when you started having physical issues, because before the cancer, you were having back issues, right? Yes, of course. Plenty. Was that taking I you out of – had- I already had ankylosing spondylitis, which is an autoimmune disease during COVID. I also had fibromyalgia, and I had already had over 20 surgeries on my back, my neck, my stomach, my shoulder. Uh, Yeah, repeatedly on my back Mm -hmm. and neck. Are you able to, you know, make any appearances to this day, are you able to play in any exhibitions? Yeah, if you if you followed me on my Facebook page, Jeanette Lee, the Black Widow, 
whenever I am doing an appearance, I, I, I will post it out there. But I also do like a kind of a video blog diary kind of thing because when I got diagnosed with cancer, I, I just put it in my mind that um, this was something real. I was terrified, but I wasn't going to go through it alone. And so I kind of talked about it on my Facebook page, you know, doing just these short videos during that whole battle. Mm-hmm. you know, with cancer. And it was very it was very good for me, but it was also very um, inspirational to others is, is the feedback that I was getting, you know, just to not feel alone and, and, you know, so that's what I was doing. Yeah. So I'm curious to Jeanette about your relationship with God as you were going through the cancer, because you talked about being younger and and kind of drifting away at a time how was it you know going through or after you were diagnosed with the cancer and early on in that battle uh were you drawn closer to the lord or were you blaming him oh no i would never uh, yeah blaming him is uh, never ever crossed my mind um definitely i i I kind of sank my fingernails in and I was like, God, you know, please protect me right now. And I don't want to leave these children without a mom. And, um, but the, the, the biggest thing I felt, I, I was praying, but the biggest thing I felt was the world was praying everywhere. I turned during this process, all the messages I was getting, all the family and the attention. Um, I was very fragile, and um, not a lot of people could enter my house, and everyone, you know, it had to be very sterile and everything because of my autoimmune disease. We couldn't have a bunch of people coming in and out with COVID while I'm battling cancer um, because I also have this autoimmune disease. And so what was my point? Well, you, you, you were just talking about not blaming God for oh, yeah, being yeah, struck right, with cancer. Exactly. So when I started, so when I started sharing my story, um, there were a lot of people that were writing back on my Facebook page, Jeanette Lee, the Black Widow, and they they would talk to me about their walk, and it was um, there were so many people praying for me. That's I, that's all I really remember is just from Portugal and from Taiwan and from you know. Spain and from India and Africa and there were prayers everywhere and my mom uh, all her siblings most of them ended up the guys either married were pastors or married pastors and so we we always had Christ really as a is as a staple in our life but when I was being selfish during my teenage years, that's when I turned away. But I always believed that he was there, and I never believed that he caused anything bad that happened to me. There was never blame. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I'll tell you a story. When I, when I was 12 and I had scoliosis for the first time, I remember my mom. Um, at, at that time, pain medicine was different. Um, 
right now, if you have back surgery, they have these little machines and robots, zip, 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 very little trauma to the body. But when I had scoliosis and they did scoliosis surgery on me, they broke down all my vertebrae and they implanted two 18-inch Harrington rods um, and and placed my bone, yeah, around it to rebuild into one piece. And they took bone marrow from my hips, which still hurt from this day, wherever they took the bone marrow. It's very raw and painful. And um, I just... I just remember laying there and looking at my mom and just crying, tears falling down my face. And inside, I was screaming in pain, but the, the drugs made it to where I could, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but inside, I was still feeling that. that today's medicine is very, very different. But I remember suffering so much, and my mom would just sit there, and she would pray for me, and she would say, Jeanette, Please just believe me. God has a plan for you. You know, he loves you. And she always believed everything had a reason. God has purpose, you know, has a purpose and he loves me. And there is a greater plan. And even if I don't see it, it's there. Well, at that time, I was like, oh, mom, shut up. You know, you're 12, 13, and you're like, I don't want to hear that. You don't, Mom, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what this is like going to school, wearing these big braces and being made fun of and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she said, no, I know God has a plan for you, and you just have to stay faithful, you know, and continue to pray because you will get through this and, you know, so on and so forth. And then years later, you fast forward, and I become number one in the world. And my agent, which I, you know, finally get an agent to try to get sponsors and things like that. And she suggests, you know, a lot of celebrities, they, they latch onto a charity, you know, to kind of give back and do something with their success. And, and I thought, well, man, I don't know what to pick. I mean, she's like, well, something that's affected you in your life, maybe, or family. And I was like, well, I mean, scoliosis, I guess. And I ended up becoming the national spokesperson for the Scoliosis Association. Awesome. And I ended up speaking to hundreds and thousands of, of kids that are suffering from scoliosis. And if I had not gone through it, I would not have had a voice to help and inspire people. It's, it's through these battles that you, you build your strength. You learn. You, you know what I mean? You learn mm-hmm. what it takes to be strong. And you learn that strength and courage is not with the lack of fear, but in the face of it, in the face of doubt and worry and depression and, you know, lack of energy, fatigue, whatever it is, just getting out of bed and putting one foot on the floor, it takes everything you've got, you know? Mm -hmm. Is there a scripture that especially when uh, you were battling cancer, you kind of clung to any specific scripture that yes. comes to mind? Yes. I Actually, I had it tattooed in my back, but I, <laughs> which to cover the scoliosis scar, uh-huh. I, I'm totally against tattoos. And I, I don't even know why I, I did it that day, but um, it, it's in Philippians, it's um, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And it was just um, 
through my whole life. Mm-hmm. It's remembering because that's I think that's when I really got it. You know, later on, it's no one wants to hear from the people that have never been through anything. You know, that guy that got the company handed to him by his father, he'll never get respect, even if he deserves it. They'll go, oh, you know, you've never had to work hard a day in your life. Nobody wants to hear from him. But the people that have gone through stuff and have survived it, that's the people who have a voice. And I needed to go through that to really understand that really I can do anything in Christ who strengthens me. You know, and so now with all the things that I go through, God is there. He is present. Um, You know, you're just, you're not alone. Yeah. And he did strengthen me because, you know, while I'm doing the things, there's, I, I don't know. I don't know what my limits are. You know, I feel like I'm at the limit, you know, when things are going against me really hard. But then I just feel that pushback. God has my back. He's right back there. And he's going to push me forward. And we're going to get through this. We can handle this. Because God can do anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. John sixteen thirty three. I have mm-hmm. told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And love that. I love that. You know, I, this has been such a great time for me to be able to visit with you. I, I wonder, Jeanette, is there anything when you look back, especially, you know, in, in the heyday when you were ranked number one and you're winning all those tournaments, but you had a lot of the other competitors who, you know, shunned you at events and, and wouldn't talk to you. Yeah. It, would you yeah. do anything different if you had it all to do again? You know, my mom always said, you know, be humble and kind. And I think that if I had a little bit more humility, um, maybe my pride would not have been so um, so painful. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, well, obviously, at, at that time, yes, I had, I had God, but it was more like I had God in my pocket. He was... You know, when I was ready to talk to him, I would talk to him. But when I was too busy, I was too busy. And it was not like the kind of relationship that I hunger for and that I have now. But, yeah, of course, back then it would be, I wish I was more careful with my words with the media, because I think that that's where a lot of their um, anger came from, is, you know, just reading stuff that were mis not misquoted, but taken out of context. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just having a closer walk with God and being more humble, I think that's what I would have wished more for myself at that time. What's next for you? I'll tell you, I'm, I'm in a battle right now because I, I've, I've overcome cancer. Um, so right now they, they don't see, um, you know, it's not visible. But ovarian cancer is the kind that tends to lay dormant in your body. It tends to always come back. And so I, I feel like I'm always working with one foot out the door, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, my time is really precious now. So I really try to focus on making memories with my children. But I also noticed that 
I can I can lead them more and help them more build a relationship with God. Yeah. Did they like uh, pool? Any other pool players in the family? They, well, they all played pool just just for fun. But my son started to kind of take it somewhat seriously, where he became a decent playing amateur, I would say. But none of them took it seriously. It was just something fun in the pool room. But we all go to church every Sunday, and my daughter, you know, Savannah, every Wednesday, she's at the youth group, and um, I think that we've, this last couple of years, what's been different is even though I've gone to church, um, I started joining more of the small groups, which I think are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can dedicate the time, it's so powerful, because yes. just once a week, an hour just doesn't doesn't get it, but the difference in this last couple of weeks, the small groups and building relationships with other Christians in my community, you know, I would just bring my children, we'd go in, we'd have the service, and we'd leave. There was not that kind of, um, you know, camaraderie and, and networking, or I don't, I don't know, I'm thinking of the right word, yeah. but fatigue is still a big issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can go for about two hours, and then I feel like I need a nap. <laughs> Two, three hours, maybe three hours is like the limit, and then I just get really exhausted. But yeah. um, I'm starting to play pool again, but it is tough, 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 yeah. because I'm, um, my muscles have atrophied. It's been a couple of years of just spending a lot of time in bed, but also even just a few years before that when I was getting diagnosed with fibromyalgia and ankylosing spondylitis, I've just lost a lot of muscle tone. And when I get down to play and I tilt my neck up, that neck muscle has gotten really weak. Mm-hmm. So holding my, my neck up for that long has been something that I've had to um, build right now. I, t- I go to physical therapy twice a week. You mentioned your Facebook page, and you mentioned uh, a blog. Is there anything else? Is there a book coming out? Anything else that, that you're yes, involved in? Yes, sure. If anyone missed it, um, my documentary was called Jeanette Lee Versus, and that can be seen on ESPN+. Plus streaming on demand and my twitter handle is black widow and my instagram is jeanette lee and i am working i did sign a book deal so we are working on my autobiography this year um hopefully complete by the end of this year and then maybe bring it out next i don't know maybe release it in the spring mm-hmm. early spring so that's the plan all right you know and raise my children and hopefully get back to breaking balls and having fun and but but i will stay in touch i do try to do that social media just to connect with my fans and all the people that have been praying for me my thanks to jeanette for being a part of suit up and pray for her to live a healthy life so i gotta suit up, suit up, cause you ain't gonna let up.